afternoon, Two Dope Nation. My name is Gerardo Munoz. This is your boy, Kevin Adams. And we are merely Two Dope Teachers and a mic. We want to welcome you back on this fine Thursday afternoon, going into the evening. How are you doing this Thursday afternoon evening? I'm doing good. This week went pretty fast, I feel like. So, uh, you know, tomorrow's Friday. First day of December. First day of December, yep. So we're rolling. We're rolling through it, Munoz. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're getting, like, on the home stretch, and uh, this is... Uh, this is a great time to just kind of check in, see where everybody's at. It's also a great time because our podcast hosting site uh, cuts us off on the last day of the month. So we oh, can squeeze one squeeze more in. One more squeeze in. one more in without That's using it. up ne- next month's, uh, you know, storage Damn space. Um, so we are here. Um, we are two dope teachers and a mic. Uh, go through a couple of guidelines and how to reach us. And we're going to get into some stuff today. We're going to talk a little bit about some uh, some sort of serious issues that are c- kind of popping up in our schools, yep. and then something a little bit more lighthearted, but I would also argue is very, very serious. serious. And talk a little bit about. Um, uh, many of you have probably had to sit through a PD session about gang awareness and um, various problems in the community. Various problems in the community, yeah. and uh, particularly if you're in an urban setting, um, then these que- these questions seem to come up a lot, or these topics seem to come up. Yep. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about how not to connect with your colleagues of color. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and I thought of it because of an article that was circulating um, our staff that um, yes. we'll maybe talk about yeah, another we'll probably, day, yeah. but we'll reference. It today and that kind of thing. Uh, so uh, you want to go through the rules that we yeah. still have not written down? We have not. These are the unwritten rules. <laughs> They're unwritten rules. The unwritten I rules. would argue that those are the most important That's rules, right. right? The That's unwritten right. rules. That's we, right. we shouldn't even have to write them. That's right. All right, rule That's number right. one. Rule number one is we keep it clean. We, we keep it clean. Cuss. We do not use profanity. It's not because we don't know how to. Oh, we could cuss. We could. We could. We'd get into it. We ain't gonna, though. But we're not going to. Nope. Because we're intellectual. That's right. We're smart people. <laughs> <laughs> and because we know the kids are listening, we do this. We like Wu-Tang. Because we, we're right. for the kids. Wu-Tang's for the kids. Wu-Tang's for the kids. All right. Teach the children. <laughs> Teach also the children. our wives. <laughs> also our wives. That's right. They won't wives. appreciate that too much. And then Rule also, the second. Rule the second. B. B. Number two. <laughs> Number B. one is no cussing. And B, B is... is <laughs> We use anonymity, but today it's just us. It's just so us. Y'all know we who we, we are. Really, we might bring up some people, but we'll, we'll give them aliases. Yeah, come up. we'll give them pretend names for sure. <laughs> and uh, let's see. So we operate on this basis of anonymity. We never use a person's name unless that person is with us and has told us, you may use my, my name. name. Um, and that goes for anybody who wants to come on the show. Uh, we do that as well. Do we only have two rules? I think we only have two rules. Maybe we should develop one more rule. I feel like... I, you know that dude, Ron Clark? He was on Oprah. He wrote The Essential 55 or whatever that yes, was. Yeah. That's too many rules. That's too many like, rules. too many things. The I can't 48 powers of love. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, no. You're talking about The 48 Laws <laughs> of Power. The 48 Laws of Power. I know. You know, I used to love that book, and then somebody, like, told me that it's really popular in prisons. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh, that's where you get your <laughs> that's knowledge. Interesting. It's where you get your knowledge. I actually got it from uh, from watching The Contender. Did you ever watch The Contender, uh-uh. the boxing reality show? That no, was put I on didn't by watch that. Sylvester Stallone, Stallone and, and Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> Yeah. I don't, why are you laughing? It was brilliant. It was so good. But the, but one, but so one of the guys was always reading from the Forty Eight Laws of Power and like it's you like know, I'm studying, dropping this knowledge, I'm dropping yeah. knowledge. So like like respect, respect. I don't know. Like aside from not eating Cheetos near the computer, I can't think of anything else that could be a rule. <laughs> don't eat I think I think our, our our number one like unwritten rule after cussing after yeah. not cussing yeah. not. not not uh, yeah. cussing, but not cussing, um, and after maintaining uh, respect for individuals and anonymity, should be that it's all about justice, right? Yeah, it's all about social justice, and we're here uh, to say that teachers are public intellectuals That's who, right. who have an obligation to be present for their communities um, in trying times. And I think I don't think it's con- it's. Uh, Controversial to say we're living in kind of trying times, I, socially, I agree politically, with that. culturally. I agree. Right? There's a lot going on. I think it, it makes it that the teacher's <laughs> role is more important in terms yeah. of helping kids develop critical thinking skills and and being able to navigate the world that they live in. So I agree. Yeah. Like this, uh, the other rule is that we're pushing for justice. We want to be agents of change. We do. We do. And that's like my second really controversial statement of the last couple of weeks. The first one was Hamilton is going to be big. Hamilton. It's going to be big. This Hamilton thing. Hamilton's I'm going to get in on the bottom floor. I'm going to get in. I, I'm telling you. There's a little, there's a little you, musical. There's something there. Uh, 
And five hundred dollars a ticket, you can see. Five hundred dollars. That's what's going to be when it comes to our fine city of Denver. Yeah. Um, in a few months, so so good stuff. Um, so really quickly, we're just going to talk a little bit. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about the studio. This is the ongoing. Like, yeah. Our studio keeps changing. There's more stuff added to it. More stuff. Now that with the good away. news is we are back in two dope studios. In the real official studio. Yep. We got yep. our graffiti. Is it there? It's behind Where? the. Uh, oh, it's behind be- our. Beautiful it's behind painting this, this painting. These flags. This is actually kind of a cool painting. It's a it painting. It is amazing. It kind painting. of, uh, you know, celebrates the legacy of the school. Um, if you and guys can see it, it's got an amazing phoenix on it. It also has a flag. Dripping of, knowledge or some sort of golden liquid this? onto also, the world. It also has like a uh, a flag of Burma. Just hanging over it. Which it's not Burma. <laughs> but, we I don't need know. to get rid of that one. We need to get rid of that one. There, we there, do need to update some of our flags. Some of, well, some like some of our maps. There, there's maps, and actually, um, some of my uh, world history students last year went on a campaign to um, to correct some of our public maps to indicate that there is in fact a South Sudan, um, <laughs> and so they like draw it in and stuff like that. So we got that. We have a uh, fabulous painting or photo. Of St. Oh, Petersburg, is yes, that, that's got to be St. St. Petersburg. Right? I think so. It's I Russian. think that's where they usually have all that type. Of Y'all can't see, so you can't I don't know really what you call it. Do you know what you refer it's to that a, architecture as? Russian. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's Russian. It's, what type of architecture? <laughs> I like all that Russian, <laughs> like all that Russian architecture. architecture. So we're back in Two Dope Studios. Um, there's some strange audio equipment on the floor. There's a bunch of framed pictures behind us. One of them says "War is not child's play." Um, that's right. Which is true, um, and then and then we have the clocks. The clocks are the back. The clocks are here, ticking like that, like that alligator from Peter Pan, like in the background. I think it's reminding the clocks remind us that like uh, that we are all, you know, on this path, this journey Time is ru- that's coming to an end. It is, and that you know we're just dust. Yeah, just re- wow. Time I, keeps on ticking. <laughs> you, you got that's real right there. I'm when dumb. you said dust, I got sad. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. at my age, like you get closer and closer to dust. You oh, come on. Like, dust comes out of your ears. We're, um, we're hitting the prime. Don't tell me that, man. man. I'm turning oh, no. 40. I'm turning 40. Oh, that's right. Because wait. 14 days. What? 14, 14 day, days. 14 to 40. Hashtag 14 to 40. Hey, y'all. Uh, all of us who know how to reach us, this is actually a great segue into how you can reach us all over the place. Email two dope teachers at gmail dot com. Uh, you can also hit us up on Facebook, and you can add us on Instagram and on Twitter. And I would love it. We would love it if our boy Kev could get some birthday wishes birthday in the next couple out. couple birthday of weeks. Love. Post your pictures of uh, and your videos of your birthday wishes to Kev. This is a big one. This is a big yeah. four zero. Well, I'm turning forty. Um, turning forty. I've been. Nervous How do you feel about, about that? You know, I earlier in the year, I, I think I was having a little bit of a breakdown. Okay. But okay. I think I'm coming to terms with it. You know, I I think you know I know a lot of forty year olds who are doing some dope stuff. Yeah. So like sitting next to one, for, well. 40 plus. I'm about to be 42. <laughs> 42? That's I'm not too old. You're good. You're good. Man. But, you know, it, it just think I've 40 years on this earth, man. It's a long time. Of what I've been through, of what I've seen. Yeah. And it just puts it in perspective, especially when I was talking to a student. You know, 12 years of what you spent, 13 years of what you spent in school. Yeah. And I yep. start to think about the bigger picture. I'm like, wow. So 27 years, I haven't been in school. Yeah. I've been doing my thing, you know, growing up. And it's, yeah. it's just... It's amazing. How I mean, you I wouldn't say I've been. I, I wouldn't say I've been grown up, <laughs> except for maybe the last three or four years. But, <laughs> yeah, man, thirty-eight. Man, I was so young. No, but I mean, it, it is like so. Anyone who tells you age is just a number, I think, is um, is is sort of selling that whole thing short. I actually do think things start to change for you once you round forty, man. Yeah. Like in in good ways and in bad ways. Like I feel like I have less patience for nonsense in my <laughs> life than I did even a couple years ago. Um, because I just find myself, who is that coach on ESPN? Man, I'm a man. I'm forty. Oh, man. I'm forty. I don't remember. <laughs> I, who found, I, I find myself saying that, like, in in my head mostly um, about <laughs> you know about that kind of thing. So I mean, I would say embrace it, man. Like for real, because I think like I don't I don't miss my thirties at all. Yeah. I don't miss them you're at good. all. Good. I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, like there's definitely things that when you're in your forties, you start realizing that. You know, based on the average life expectancy, you're past halfway, yeah, right? Yeah. And so you got to really start thinking about like living your life with some urgency, um, and living living your life like stuff matters. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, it was like it was like a little verse I wrote because um, that's what I'm trying to do is write a little bit more. Right, um, what is it you are surviving for 
what are you striving for? At 5 a.m., what are you reviving for? That's right. right. That's and right. so it's kind of like, thank you very much, everybody out there. Uh, hold your applause, Don't please. Uh, you know, but you start thinking about those kinds of things and what actually matters to you and realizing that, you know, our time on this earth is limited and we got to make the best of it as much as we can. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know if it's some sort of new gained wisdom, but just being more appreciative for the little stuff. Yeah. And like, even when I look at the students and walk through the halls and kind of, like, I find myself looking at the students and be like, oh, they're so silly. But then, like, I think back to my experiences and, and where they're at in terms of, like, I have a lot of confidence. Yeah. I don't really care what you think yeah. about yeah. me. It don't matter what you say yeah. about me. Yeah. I don't care if you talk about the way I dress. Yep. You know, I don't worry. I ain't mad at you to be my friend or not yep. be my friend, but these kids are not in that place. No, Like, all that other social stuff, and, and like, as a 40-year-old man, you know, I'm confident, and I'll yeah. roll wherever I need to roll, and yeah. I know I have faith in myself and what I can do. And I, I just think, you know, it reminds me of my role as a teacher to help kids get to that point. Yeah. To where they have the confidence and to really understand where they're at right now. Yeah. And 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 to, to not freak out yep. when I see little, them doing little stuff that might get on my nerves yep. and, and bug me. But to understand the reason why they're doing it is because the kids yeah. are trying to find their place. My experience has been a little bit different. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think I, I think there's also this, like... This, this crotchety old man that's starting to come out a little bit, which I just appreciate. I think it's fun for me. I don't know if it's fun for anybody else. No, I want to move <laughs> into that crotchety old man territory. Chasing people off your lawn, you what? know, like that kind of thing. Get off my lawn. But, I mean, it's like... But you have to be careful because I don't want to be like, 21 Savage is garbage. Well, right, right. <laughs> although, although... Although... 21 Savage is like... Up. One, two, three, four, five, six. This boy just likes to count. Yeah. He loves numbers. He's yeah. a count. He's he's a count. Well, you know, I was trying to like link some of that stuff to like some hip hop numerology, like in class. And man, the kid, the kids were so confused. They're like, "What? What? What?" what? I'm like, "Never, never mind. Like, never mind. <laughs> like, you could, you could, like, like, because you get into hip hop and you get into like some of the acronyms too. Yeah. And yeah. they're kind of like, "Wait, why does? What does that even mean?" What does I'm that like, mean? "Just you have to. Never mind. Never mind. Like trying to explain like AOI Bionics, right? And <laughs> Man, <laughs> didn't work. It was crazy. Yeah, man. So yeah, well, so we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely make sure you get properly celebrated for the big four zero. Um, one of the ways that you can celebrate uh, with Kevin with me is every Monday we do Justice Mondays. Justice Mondays. Uh, shout out to all y'all who've been posting your Justice Mondays picks. We see um, y'all out there. We do, we do, and we really uh, we really appreciate it. I think it's important. Um, to model for kids what an engaged citizen looks like, what somebody who cares about what's happening in the world, who's affected by the things of the world, like what that looks like for people. So um, post them up. Uh, you know, if we ever, if we if we ever get things, we'll maybe do some cool giveaways along with your oh, that'd be cool. Justice Monday's we representation. Well, we do have. Well, we, we got some clocks. We, we got, got some clocks. But we we had talked about. We have an idea. We do about what we're gonna do. Let's not mention nah, it. No, 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 no. Because we it's still in the. Y'all just, gotta keep listening. It's 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 the seed is germinating. The seed is germinating. Hey, we got an idea. Did, did y'all know um, that we are approaching our twentieth episode? Ooh. This is number seventeen. Seventeen. Um, so, uh, so get at us with uh, your suggestions for our twentieth episode. episode 20. Maybe, maybe we bring back our our Wu Tang crew to celebrate episode twenty. Uh, maybe we do something else. So, give us uh, some ideas of what you yeah, want, how you know. want us what to want sort to of commemorate episode number twenty. And who knows? Maybe we're the only ones listening, and we can just like tweet at ourselves. We tweet at ourselves. Tweet ourselves. What do we want to do for yeah. episode twenty? Yeah, so you know, uh, you know, if you've gotten anything positive, do, do us a favor, uh, do us a solid, and write us a review on iTunes. It helps others find us and uh, helps us kind of move up a little bit and uh, see where this can go um, in the uh, months and years to come. Uh, so we're on the home stretch. We are whew, first part of the home stretch. Uh, yeah, moving into that end of the first half. I know. First, first. Do you, do you have this experience? First. So I have like not, I have like non-teacher friends, right? Yes. And you know they'll they'll be like, hey man, how you doing? And I'll be like, man, I'm like, I'm I'm like dying here. I'm not sleeping enough. I like <laughs> even in here, I'm sitting here and I've got so much to do, and I'm just and and then what? And then they'll say, well, it's only it's only three more weeks. Three more weeks. And my experience of that is very mixed because on the one hand, I'm kind of like, that's true. Three more weeks, I can do this. Like I can get yep, through I it. I can get through it. But then the other side is like. I have so much to do, in and three I weeks. only have three weeks to do and it. And now, it, now I hate that person. <laughs> <laughs> be, 
because they just reminded me of everything I got to do. And then part of it, too, is I don't think people realize that what we have to do is dependent on what children want to do. And oh, I will tell you, the oh, next three man. weeks are tough three weeks oh, because kids are amped up. <laughs> we start throwing, we do it to ourselves, too. We're like, let's throw a holiday let's party. Let's holiday party. And then, and then they got like five holiday parties in, in like a, a day. Let's have a potluck. And then the kids come to your class and they got a tray full of cupcakes <laughs> and cookies. Oh, God. And then you right. like. I am throwing no holiday parties. I'm just Resolve. eating all sorts of Resolve. sugar all day. People oh. are like, here's another treat for you. Yeah. No, yeah, we, that's that's true. And, and so that's the kids, <laughs> the, ki- the kids like go crazy and we like have no strength to like carry on and it's just like crazy we're like you have to take a final you yeah. have to take a final yeah exactly or something you got to finish your project well we're i think in my in sixth grade classes we're going to do a, a mock trial so um so that'll be kind of an interesting way to wrap things up how do you um how do you close up the semester like what what does it look like in in your classes so in, in, in my your life in my <laughs> senior class they're going to be doing a presentation okay with my sixth graders i'm trying to th- figure it out part of me wants to give a little test to them and maybe have some sort of conversation to wrap up kind of those pieces to close up to draw to draw those loose ends up together um you know i'm not the type of teacher who gives a lot of tests i tend to do a lot of performance-based assessments in my class but i know it's good to get them in the habit of that there is this kind of big picture at the end yep but then i have to think about like creating a review Yep. Making sure everybody has the notes. Yep. So I'm like, what do I do? You know. So, but I want them to have something that try ties everything together and says, yeah. okay, this was what that first semester was about, and this is where I am sitting with it. But close it off. Yeah. Because I know when they come back two weeks, they can remember much <laughs> of what we talked about the first semester. Right. You know. Yeah. But what do you do? What do you? Uh, you know, do? I think um, I have. I have taken that same approach for the most part, but um, organization has been a real challenge this semester just with a lot of demands. And so um, I like to try to finish with something kind of meaningful that'll kind of, you know, half of my classes, is it half? Something like that. I think, no, like a third of my classes are are single semester classes. Yeah, yeah. Right? So these students I'll have until, you know, the next couple of weeks, and then they'll move on to take other classes. I won't have them next semester. So I try to have something, like, finish up in a really positive way with them Um, and something that will kind of allow us to sort of, like, readdress what it is we learned and celebrate kind of that learning. Um, for the other classes, it's kind of a, co- a continuation. An AP class, unfortunately, they won't get much of a break. <laughs> they don't get like, much of a break. Like, they were really happy not to get reading over over uh, the, the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they will get reading over break. break. And, you know, I feel bad about it, but at the same time, like, you know, they're the ones that get down to the springtime. And, you know, categorically, they're like, oh, I wish we would have spent more time doing this. I would have done more reading, more study. Yeah. So we'll kind of do that. And I try to – I try to – both respect the fact that they're as exhausted as we are, if yep. not more. Yep. Um, but also maintain an expectation that, you know, we this is where, you know, we really should be building up and, and celebrating, like, our learning, the, the what we've accomplished this semester, how we've grown. And so I think I think it's also important to have a reflective process in that. Um, but, man, I ain't going to lie. Like, part of it is just trying to, like, keep my head up and, uh, like... <laughs> And just survive, right? Because we have yeah. we have the other things that, that we're trying to do too: maintaining family, um, being present in that way, yep. Uh, yep. holiday shopping, all of that stuff that um, comes. Which up. I already started. You have. I've I done have. a little bit. I have. I've done some small, yep. little bit, picking up things when I see it. Do you, you, do, know, you do you have a something? do you have a Christmas list? Do I? Yeah. Like for me? Yeah. Yeah. Like what I'm not. I, I, don't get excited. What I like? I'm not gonna buy you anything. No. But like, but do you, <laughs> I love that do, you do that? that because it's like, like, first of all, first of don't all, get it twisted. Don't I ain't buying you nothing. <laughs> but I mean, like, cause, cause this is something that's on my mind a little bit. We won't spend a lot of time on this because we both gotta be places. Yeah. yeah. But, but like. Like, I'm kind of conflicted about and I'm sure I drive my wife crazy with this. She's like, oh, do you have a Christmas list? I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, that's like, how I am. Like, I'm like, I don't really need anything. I got it. Oh, I, no, no. That I, If it, I want something, I kind of will go and get it. Now, let's, 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 be, <laughs> let, let's be honest here. I do need things. Yes. Like, <laughs> but, but I think for me, I like when somebody just gives me something like, hey, this made me think of you, and I thought you would like this. As opposed to, like, I wrote something do down and you went and bought it. You like, bought exactly <laughs> what I told you to Exactly. That's, I kind of feel that way, too. I'm like, yeah. you know what I mean, I that, like? that's hard, right? You know yeah. what I'm into? You know, but but my wife is like, 
no, don't do that to me. Tell me what you want. So I don't know if your wife is like I, that. She is. And I think, <laughs> she's like, and don't I think, make it hard I think what me. will help is, like, so for me, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, there's the Moleskin website, like all that cool, like, writing stuff. Yep, yep. I'm just going to give you the website. And, and you then go you pick th- out. And then go through it and see if there's something that you think would be cool. Also, like, you can't miss with clothes, you know, where yeah, I'm kind of yeah. like, I have, and it's funny because the kids will give me a hard time. They're like, hey, I like your shirt when you notice. I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, my wife picked it out. She's oh, like, you just gave away a secret. And they're like, because I thought you was picking out all that fly the, wear. Uh, no. <laughs> That's no. not you. No, bro, this ain't bro, me. I thought you had style. You know how. You, <laughs> you like no, me. wait, hold on. <laughs> so I do have style, and it's because I listen. Oh, you follow <laughs> right. the rules. I follow the You're rules. Like, like for me, because if it was up to me, like I'd still be wearing stuff from 1997, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? And that, that's the way a lot, because I think a lot of us fellas go through life like trying to find ways to be comfortable and try trying that's to find right. ways to that's be happy. And like it. if I find like I've I've had the same haircut since I was 16 years Why old. Why would I change it? Why would I change it? Although now that's another thing. I might I might be changing up the hair a little Uh-oh. bit. Uh-oh. Yeah, Uh-oh. it'll be interesting. Uh-oh. I mean there's not much that we can do. Like it's shorter or longer. Or long. like, it's what, what one is or it? the other. You know. So like so yeah, so they'll be like you let your wife tell you what to wear. I'm like, well like she's the most invested in what I look like. That's true. What I look like is a reflection on her. That's true. That's <laughs> Not, true. and it's even more a reflection on her than it is on me. They're like, why is she with him? Why is she with him? <laughs> He's wearing that T-shirt. Um, so you know, for so there's also that part of the home. You stretch. make me feel bad. I feel like I gotta step my game up. My wife, I mean, my wife doesn't buy me any clothes. She don't. She don't pick yeah. out any clothes for me. Uh, to, maybe I should start encouraging. Well, my to, wife's a little bit of a fashion maven. Like she really does keep track, keep up with like up what's with stylish. It. And like I had this pair of like slacks, and she's kind of like, you know, those really those are played out. Those are played <laughs> out. Those are not really in style anymore. I'm like, cool, they gone. They gone. They gone. <laughs> and uh, and now that I have a 12 year old daughter, I have a second voice <laughs> suggesting what I should and shouldn't be wearing. Yeah, my wife is not a big shop. She's she's one of the people who's like, I hate going yeah. to the mall. I hate spending well, money. I've gotten to a point where she like is now somewhat impressed with the things that I pick out. She's kind of like, you pick that out? I'm like, yeah. She's like, no, that shit's pretty good. <laughs> now my mom, my mom will still get me some clothes for Christmas. She'd be, oh, she'd but be that's a, a fraught situation. Stuff. You know that's a fraught situation. If if your mother is buying you clothes and your wife's like, yo, like your mom is still buying you clothes. <laughs> I think I think it's we not may, a good look. It it, it may <laughs> like not nobody here is gonna know that. I a think 40, you, I think I'm you look a forty year old man. My mother bought my. <laughs> <laughs> but you do look fly, man. You got you got these mocks that you're wearing right That's here. That's it. Yeah, man, you got you. You know, you're I'm, holding trying. It, you're I'm holding trying. It down. I'm trying. You're holding it down. You're holding it down. <laughs> I know, like these shirts. I have like I, I think I have a closet full of. These I like that those kind of shirts because they're kind of militant. You know, a little they, bit. They look a little. A they little have bit. The militant yeah. look. And, and, like, I, I always, like, see how I gesture in the shirts that I'm wearing. That's so I'm right. kind of like, how will I look talking about the Reformation in this in shirt? This shirt. Right? Anyway. <laughs> That's a, we're an off, important teacher tip. We're off the rails. This is, so this is a good case study in, like, what is going on with teachers at the end of the year. We're just, like, we're scrambled. We're not even making sense of things. Um, but one of the things I think I was really thankful for was our little co-planning session we had yeah, yesterday. Yeah, like, and, and that's the thing is I think about this a lot. Because um, first of all, I'm not productive by myself. Um, Especially at the end of the day, it's hard to be productive when you're by yourself. It is, it is. And, and we have we share a planning period um, at the end of the day. Um, and so we talked a little bit about how we can like do some co-planning. And like as if you've been listening, you know that Kevin and I finally are teaching the same grade. Yeah. And so that's been kind of interesting, like talking Very to each cool. other about sixth grade, tapping into his wisdom on this stuff. So we had this little co-planning session yesterday, um, and, and we kind of came out with some stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, what did you get out of that when we were kind of working together? You know, first of all, well, I had to came, come down and to give you guys some insight. I was doing a lesson about worldview. And so we had talked about religion and world religions. And so we are going to talk about worldview, which I knew was a really complex issue for sixth graders. Yeah. You know, how do I get them to really understand this idea of what a worldview is? And so I was like, hey, I hit you up, I think, Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, hey, let's co-plan. Yeah. And you were down. And so I came by and just started to pick your brain, you know, about the lesson. Mm-hmm. And we started to talk, and I gave you some of the ideas I was sitting with, and you hit me with this big thing, you know, where I was. Because the kids ain't going to be able to answer these questions about what's the purpose of life <laughs> right. and all of this stuff that I was at. But you hit me with the scenarios. And last night when I came up, when I finally finalized the lesson, I was like, I should text him and hit him up and be like, you got you it. Could've. Because you gave me this idea about using scenarios mm-hmm. 
of where kids could be and where they find themselves because those scenarios are really where they're finding their yeah. their worldview. It's like, what do you do in these situations? And so I found, a, you know, thinking about those scenarios, I sat at home after we had talked, mm-hmm. typing up my scenarios, had five or six, and then I was like, these still aren't good, you know, and right. I still don't think they're going to get me to where I want, but going back to where you had, what can I put the kids, something that's easy enough for the kids to get their minds right. around. And so I found this uh, survey about are you a optimist, a realist, or a pessimist? Yep. And it went to the scenarios, and they, it, you know, it really built on it. But I don't think I would have gotten there unless we had talked. Yeah. And I think you know, going through that process of planning with you helped make it so much easier for me. And I feel like anytime I have a colleague, especially you, to talk to about this stuff, it just becomes easier for my mind to get around. Aww. You, and said, I, you said especially me. Especially you, Aww. bro. You know, you know, you, you know, you're my dude. Aww. You know, you're my dude. No, but I think I think you're right. My partner in crime, well, my PIC. The, the thing that's right. <laughs> the um the thing that always occurs to me as a teacher, especially after all this time, um, that I've been teaching, is like, I I'm, I'm always afraid that I've constructed this really elaborate world. Yeah. That nobody gets. But me, like, <laughs> I have all my jokes. And I have all my ways of explaining things. Yeah. And I have my processes and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I'm like, does like does any can anyone make sense of this besides me? And so I think that um, when when teachers get a chance to just talk together about the same kids and about like, but not like just about the kids themselves, but yeah. also about like what it is that um, that would be instructionally appropriate for them. Um, it just helps to have another like presence in the room, and I came back at you with this idea, like, and of course I have these like dumb, overly ambitious ideas that are gonna overwhelm me probably, but but I think, um, but but I think it was really useful to kind of bounce the idea of doing a mock trial with them because we were like, you know, long story short, we were reading um, an excerpt from uh, some resources on the re- from the Rethinking uh, Columbus uh, anthology. And shout out to Rethinking Schools because yep. they put that out years yep. ago. Bill Bigelow uh, put that thing together. Um, and the kids looked at one of the resources at the bottom that says The People versus Columbus. And they, they're like, what's that? And I explained to them, oh, this is from a unit on a mock trial. And a couple of them are like, are we going to do that? And I'm like, you guys <laughs> even know what a mock trial is? This is, this is sixth grade. Yeah, These yeah, are 11 yeah, and 12-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. And it occurred to me that how often, especially when kids don't know how to control themselves necessarily and maybe – demand more of us from a management perspective that we sometimes underestimate what they're capable of and we don't necessarily it's harder for us to trust them with the things that we're teaching them and so we kind of bounced it off we we agreed that in a mock trial you must put the dots very close together <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yeah definitely. in order they can all be successful but kids today they're like i want to be the judge i want to be columbus i want to be a lawyer like and and when i asked kids how many of you want to become lawyers in school half the hands went up and I'm like, so here we go, you know, let's kind of look at this. But it got at a deeper question for me. Like, I think about how few opportunities our middle school kids have for self-expression and exploration of identity. And I think it, I mean, maybe you agree with me on this, maybe not, but I think it's because we're so afraid of, like, keeping them under control. That's right. That we're sort of afraid of what would happen if we let them express themselves or if we let them, exp- you know, look at their identities and reflect. Yeah, on who they are. And I think one of my favorite points in a class when I know I have a good lesson is when I have, like, the kids are doing the same thing, but they all come out with diverse products. Yeah. And the, the, the thought is diverse. You know, what they're thinking about, the thinking streams become more natural to who they are. Yep. And so I think that becomes really important, you know. And things like mock trials or, yeah. uh, you know, like I mentioned yesterday that last year I did the, um, uh, oh, the, the Andrew the Jackson, hearing. the or, Indian, yeah, in, Indian, Indian removal congressional hearing, yep. you know, and I think I'm going to, you know, try that again. I'm not going to step on your toes. I'm going to wait till the next semester. Yeah, yeah. So you can get them through that stuff. But I think that stuff is powerful for kids because it starts to say, and even the worldview stuff today, the kids are like, I've never thought about it. Am I pessimistic? Yeah. Am I optimistic? Yep. Am I a realist? Yeah. And what does that mean to me? And why is that important? Yeah. You know, and, and, and starting to think about who they are. And yeah. I think... Well, and, know, the, we, and pushing through, because what you're going to get from sixth graders a lot 
is I don't know. I don't know. And and that's where the thinking kind of ends. And and it's like I was telling these guys today. And I actually think that this isn't just a middle school problem. It's not even just a high school problem. This is a problem in our country. Yeah. And that is that you know I said to them that um, I'm not impressed when you have an opinion. It doesn't impress me. Yeah. The world that we live in right now, everybody's got, everybody's an, opinion. got an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. What impresses me is when you can support it with evidence, that's right? right? And so that's what I kind of said to them. I was like, anyone can kind of say, yeah, I think Columbus was bad. Great, that's an opinion. Are you going to test that opinion against the evidence that we have in front of us? And, man, they were like nose to the grindstone with these texts, like really excitedly. They got mad at me. So we, a spoiler alert, at our school – uh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell our instructional superintendents. Yeah. Sometimes we walk the sixth graders to the cafeteria a little bit early, like a couple minutes early, to reward a good day. And so that those little, work hard. little tiny people, it's very hard if you don't get in front of the lunch line. You That's know, right. they're the hungriest you have six of everybody. Foot four people yeah, in front of you. Old seniors. Old seniors. You got the seniors who don't have any money or a car. Yeah, they're just sitting there. <laughs> they're just posted up. But like so, so initially I'd said, "Hey, you guys are doing really well. We should be able to clean up and leave a couple minutes early. I'll walk you down there, all that kind of thing." Well, they were mad at me because not everybody got to like share their evidence. Uh, they always and want it to was share like out. it was it was really interesting. But I think like we, I do think that when you start playing with identity and you start playing with self-expression, you're kind of playing with fire in middle school. Um, and but I think I think we we gotta play. It, it could become potentially fire. Absolutely. Dangerous. But if we give them kind of some guidelines mm-hmm. and talk about how we respect different opinions, yeah. different points of view, different perspectives, which I think is one of like our priorities in this building, yeah. you know, I think it helps build the kids so they're ready to have these more intellectual conversations mm-hmm. down the road. You know, and, and so I'd hope teachers aren't fearful of that. Yeah. And it, I will tell you, as a person who did the uh, congressional hearing last year, when you get to your mock trial, it's going to be a little messy. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. going oh, yeah. to be a little it's messy. It's messy when you do it in They're going to have to learn to talk over each other. They're going to be like... We're going to need an assertive judge. You're going to have some who kind of like start strong and then fade. <laughs> but, well, that's why I'm thinking you have teams of three. Three judges, yep. three lawyers. And you can switch out, switch it out, rotate, rotate. Opening statement, you know. But I think, you know... But I think the big thing is that kids get to try to do stuff like that. Yeah. And like you said, we, we get fearful of that, of letting them find their identity, yeah. express themselves, take a position. Yeah. Well, shout out to Bell Hooks because that's a practice of freedom, right? How do you know if you want to even explore a career in law or fight for social justice if you don't have a chance to practice that in right. school when there are no negative consequences? Look, you're not defending somebody for real. If you were defending somebody for real without ever having really looked at what that's like, that's, that's right. got dire like implications if you if you haven't had an opportunity to experiment with it and see what it's like in a safer situation and we would hope that schools are those safer situations this is a laboratory yeah i think so i mean and i also think that like i i also understand why some teachers would be reticent to uh look at these issues not only because like it's messy but also because their kids are at a very vulnerable emotional time right now and if you sort of disrupt some of their notions of themselves, that can be very tough for yeah. an 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old to address. But as long as you remain present and remain engaged in how you help them address these things, I think it can be a really positive thing. We have to stop fearing the things that might get a little out of hand, that might be a little bit loud, that may not go smoothly, because that's where like learning truly happens. And today I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah, you know, and the kids um, a lot of the times amaze you at times. You're like, you know, and I think I go back to uh, Jeffrey Duncan Andrade, you got to have that audacious hope. Yeah. Right? You had to you, you plan big yeah. things. Yeah. So I applaud you on this, and I can't yeah. wait to and hear also, it goes, and I'm sure the kids are going to love yeah, it. Yeah, and also a shout-out to my Blue 3. Um, Blue forgive three. me. Forgive me for ever underestimating you. Like, that was fun. This, this week was fun, y'all. It was a blast. They're rocking it. They're rocking it. Speaking of community and yeah. identity and yes. self-expression, you and I had an experience right before the Thanksgiving holiday that, yes. that we kind of wanted to talk about. And we're going to pivot to something a little bit more serious here. Um, so uh, do you want to set the stage? So, yeah. And I, I will just start by uh, we were probably we were thinking about doing this episode like the, the day after, the day <laughs> the day after, after. this <laughs> happened. But uh, we felt like we needed to have some space, be able to breathe on it. Yeah. Because I think we would have we come a in a little, little you know, because I was hot. I was hot. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yep. You know, so 
Um, we've recently had some events in our building, uh, unbeknownst to me until that day, yeah. that have uh, related to, um, I guess, kids being involved in gangs. Yep. And, uh, you know, students kind of bringing some of that gang activity uh, at various levels. I think a low level of that gang a activity. A low level of kind of that presence within the school. Yeah. Right. Of, uh, and I might even say gang affiliation, right? Because I yeah. think being truly in a gang yep. versus being affiliated with a gang. Versus engaging in gang, gang activity, activity. Those are very yeah. different things. But we've, we had some of that. And so for professional development, um, our administration and the powers that be, decided to reach out to um, the Denver Police Department and to bring in three officers to speak about gang activity in, in the Denver metro area, in particular in schools, and also to kind of tell us what things we should be on the lookout for when it comes to gang activity. How do you identify gang activity? Yeah. And in, in all fairness, we don't really know exactly how this got put on the calendar. Um, my experience of this because you and I have both worked in schools where yeah. this topic comes up yeah. um, among the adult staff with some frequency um, and within the community at, at times as well so we don't know exactly how this kind of happened we're not trying to cast stones or aspersions at anybody um, but, but the reality but is this is what happened. we had this we had three happened. law enforcement officers uh, who came with a PowerPoint. They had a PowerPoint. They had a PowerPoint. Um, a long PowerPoint. Pretty long PowerPoint. And uh, I should uh, <laughs> clarify, you know, these are three white police officers, yep. you know, and, and it is what it is. It is what it is. These are the people who came in to talk to us and to kind of make us more aware about gang activity and what to look out for. And I will just, I guess I will start kind yep. of with kind of some of my basic kind of thoughts and reactions. First of all, it was three white men up here showing images of people of color, pictures of various gang members either throwing up gang signs, uh, being arrested, somehow, you know, involved in quote unquote some gang activity. And and just to have three white men kind of up there talking about this stuff and in front of this mostly white staff you know, as being a person of color, it felt really uncomfortable. Yeah. And it felt like that there was some bias. And one of the biggest comments, I think, that kind of, like, triggered me was, you know, one of the our colleagues asked, well, are there any white gang members in Denver? Oh, and, man. And, and the officer replied, and, and this, I don't know, he maybe he's an expert, you know, he knows. Yeah. Yeah. But he said, there's only one white crip in all of Colorado. <laughs> Which I was like, hmm, that sounds it's kind of an interesting thing to. But but what I heard from that, and I don't know if all my other colleagues heard, is gangs aren't a white problem. Right. Gangs are a problem of people of color. Yep. And so if we're watching anybody when it comes to these gangs, we're watching kids of color. Yep. And so who are we looking at for these gang affiliations or these signs of gang affiliation? It's kids of color. Yeah. And so it left me with a really bad taste in my mouth. And, and, and there were some controversial statements made. It, gang members, about the way gang members communicated, in particular whistling. Yeah. And what I heard was, okay, now if kids of color are whistling in the halls, they could potentially be involved in gangs. Yep. Yep. So I'm picturing my kids of color happily coming down the hall whistling. Yeah. You know, today is a good day. Yeah. <laughs> and now people are seeing them as involved in gangs. Yeah. But I also thought about the bigger picture about, you know, well, if gangs are primarily in neighborhoods of color, how many of my white colleagues really know people who are in gangs or yeah. have met people? Yeah. You know, and as being a person of color, I will tell you, I know I have family members who are in gangs. Mm -hmm. I have friends who have been a part of gangs, you know? And so the big question becomes, I think, how do we approach this? And how yeah. do I deal with this type of stuff, or we deal with this type of stuff, when it's being presented in front of us, and it feels really one-sided. Yeah. And it feels like it's targeting kids of color, people of color, 
more often. And then, you know, like the guy's like, oh, if you want the fun, you, you take the night shift. And he's describing working in the gang unit as fun. Yeah. You know, and he go get into the car chases. And, and, and to me, this is stuff that devastates my community. Yeah. So I think overall, I would have loved to have seen a more well-rounded perspective of all of this. Yeah. And maybe some people who aren't involved in the legal system talking about what do we do to prevent kids from joining gangs? Because it was more like, well, these are kids who are already involved in gangs. And I, I should say, our school does not have a gang problem at yeah. all. Yeah. At all. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think a lot of my reaction, like, we talked a little bit about this afterwards, and I was, um, the experience I kind of had was, was I just, I felt extremely conflicted, you know, for a lot of the time, because a as you, as you say, like, there are some of us that come from communities where there is a gang presence, if that's what we want to call them, we call yep. them street gangs, street associations, uh, whatever it is, we, you know, and I, I came from a, a community um, that that have that had a very heavy presence of um, of street associations, yeah. and um, and so uh, so the difficulty for me was on the one hand, like I saw some of the destructive consequences firsthand yep. of these things that were allowed to persist in my neighborhood, um, but on the other hand, I also knew that the the authority figures in my community were often ill-prepared to and ill-informed on how to address these things. And so this whole I idea of gang affiliations, you know, that description was always so, like, squishy to me because, you know, I had friends who ha happened to be connected to some of these street gangs. I, I would be lying if I said how deeply involved, like, that I knew how deeply involved they were. Because yeah. I didn't. I didn't know yeah. how many kids in my middle school or even in my high school were just kind of posturing and yep. trying to get, yep. like, yep. affiliated and how many were really affiliated. Yep. Um, I remember somebody saying, if somebody's legitimately involved, they're not at school, right? Um, and that this was in the 80s and 90s, right? So today it may be a little bit different. Um, but, uh, you know, th it was really tough because on the one hand, I was like, this is an awareness that we need. Like, we can't, we can't put our heads in the sand when it comes to the challenges that young people from our communities and their families and their friends face when they go home in the evening. Yeah. Um, there are certain parts of the city that when kids go home, it's, it's not safe. Yep. It's not safe. There's yep. a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I felt very defensive because as... A man of color, I, I feel like I feel like people of color live with that kind of stereotype threat constantly, Absolutely. right? And so, and I and I don't, I and you know, with in terms of prologue <laughs> to what I'm about to say, yeah. there's probably no evidence for me to uh, to make this claim. But whenever law enforcement comes in and does a a gang awareness presentation. I feel like everybody's looking at me. You get that feeling. I feel like everybody's looking at me, and and I want to. I want to. People wanna... in the pictures that they're showing look like me. Yeah. They, they look or, or they like look me. like people they I look grew more up like with. Me than they do yeah. any of you. The rest of you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, exactly. And so and and again, I want to say this, especially if I have friends or colleagues who are listening right yeah. now, like. I, I did not look around to see who was looking at me. I for all I know nobody was looking at me. I couldn't really look around. But I feel like I, well that I was a difficult could thing. Not. Yeah. I I couldn't. Yeah. You yeah. know. But go ahead. Yeah, so but but it is that feeling after all these years in schools and having been in the room for gang awareness presentations, it's been very difficult. One time uh, there used to be an organization um, called Grasp and they may still be yeah. around. I haven't googled them. Uh, gang Rescue and something program, uh, but there was a guy, I believe his name was Rudy Valles, so big old shout out to Rudy, mm -hmm. who used to come in and talk to us about gang rescue programs, and himself, he had he had been formally connected to some of these associations and had a lot of experience, and and I, you know, I just remember that feeling a little bit different, um, but you know, I, I think that the, the difficulty becomes it's kind of like when somebody talks bad about like your community or your family or your like race your sibling or, or your sibling yeah, or something like something that. Like, like that. it's like, listen, I'm allowed to say stuff about my people and my community. You are not, and and that's and that's irrational, but it's what you feel like. And um, 
and I just like it was because because you this is a place where as teachers of color we we are stuck between um, between the proverbial rock and a hard place. On the one hand, we're the adults. Like I feel sad when something happens to one of my students, whether or not I could have done something about it. I feel like, man, I should have been more aware. I yeah. should have been more keyed in. I should have known what was going on, you know, and that kind of thing. But on the other hand, it's like, but I also feel a certain relationship to the communities that these kids come from because gangs are not a foreign concept to me. They're not, that you know, so you have our president tweeting about these these uh, these terrorist street gangs and yes. this kind of thing. I just don't MS thirteen. I, I just don't see priority. them. I just don't see this. I just don't see them the same way. I, I'm not. I don't think they're my friends, and I don't think I want to hang out with them. But there's not the same foreignness and kind of demonizing effect of looking at these individuals. So that was really tough. And I think what we what we sort of agreed on off mic is we've got to really look at how we view the communities that we work in, yeah. serve, live in, how do we show value for those communities? And, you, and, and, and I don't think it's out of the question. There, there are educators that we hear, there are educational programs that treat the community as if it is part of the problem holding kids back. Yeah. And I just don't think you can address it that way. And I think it gets into a bigger thing because when you tell kids, you know, and, and, and again, this is like what, what I heard and, and awareness to gangs, is, is is some of these kids like we we have family members and friends. some of them have family members and friends who are affiliated yeah who are very much involved and, and you very well might live in a neighborhood where you know because of the nature of the neighborhood yeah you're affiliated yeah just because of where like you said where you grew up and in some of the ways you could have been affiliated yeah. just because you live in that yeah. neighborhood you live on this street yep. it's a crip street yeah so you know, and, and you're like, I played basketball with this kid all his life. Everybody in his family is a crip. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I yeah. think that neighborhood would have been, no, crips. crips yeah, I mean, we had, we, there were kind, there was sort of some intersections. Yeah, ones, yeah, yeah, I guess. They I mean, and, and, and for myself as a Mexican-American male, like, I was, I, I probably escaped a lot of those affiliations that maybe I would not escape yeah, if I was yeah, a teenager yeah, now. Yeah, You know? Um, what are, you, in your experience, what, uh, what are some of your notions of how we should address it if we think a kid is being pulled into this? Like, because I think I don't want anybody to think that we view um, membership in street associations as being a good thing. Yep. Um, we can understand where it comes from. We'll kind of get to that in a second. But how do you address it if you feel like there is a young man or a young woman? Um, who's getting caught up. So in my old school, you know, we used to hear stuff, right? You'd hear stuff. What's up, cuz? Yep. What's up, blood? Oh, oh, we get crippin', get crippin', right? And yep. they'd say stuff, and you'd see them throw signs every once in a while. I don't see that as much in this building. But one of the things is I, I've always be like, hey, we ain't gangbanging in here. Yeah. We, we ain't doing that here. This yeah. place is not about that. <laughs> yeah. This place is about education. Yeah. It's about peace. But I think the bigger piece is helping kids understand and have critical... Uh, thinking skills about gangs and yeah. understand the history of them. One of my favorite uh, documentaries is The Bastards of the Party. Yes. Which, if you don't know it, you should check it out yep. because it goes through the history and the evolution of the Bloods and the Crips. Yeah. And what I think people don't realize is that uh, these gangs, and I love the way you call them street associations, start as political organizations mm -hmm. intended to yeah, empower the, young the lords, community, those, yeah. to empower people. Because in these communities, they weren't dependent. They, they couldn't depend on the police officers to empower them. Their politicians yeah. weren't listening to them. And, you know, as we were talking last or week after the, the PD session, you know, we have our um, Italian-American community that yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah. holds up the mafia tradition as yeah. something that was really yeah. valuable and important yeah. and, and it's viewed differently and we make movies about it and we talk yep. about yep. how that was great and yeah. people here I hear Italians Irish yeah. and Jewish well, and people I, I always mean, talk about I've my even, uncle was in the yeah. gang it was in the mafia well, and, the other thing you, and they don't talk about it the same way yeah. that they talk about our family members yeah. who might be in the gangs and the, and the thing that I mean and I, I've known some individuals who like to sort of like kind of humbly play up like those kind of like secretly yep. like quietly kind of play play up this kind of oh yeah you know my my you know 
my uncle lives in, you know. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And and I and I agree, I don't I don't think we ever see it is the same thing, you know. Um, so addressing, I mean, the thing, the thing I like to do with kids, especially if there are like, and there are multiple level signs, right? Yep, yep. Like there's one thing to be, it's one thing to be whistling in a particular way That's or right. saying a word, yep. right? Um, in a classroom or in a hallway. It's another thing when you start seeing things that are a little bit, bit more troubling. And so I think you deal with it on the level of seriousness that it appears to be. So what, Some what, of it is kids just playing around. They are. Well, and, and, I, and maybe they're fishing for, like, an invitation or a connection. Attention. Attention or, uh, more yeah. than anything else. I mean, I think we can all relate to seeking some kind of attention through that kind of thing, right? And, uh, you know, but, uh, like, for me, I, I prefer to take a kid aside and say, hey, listen, like, I'm not passing any judgment, all right? I, I'm not going to sit here and lecture you about what's good and bad in the world and what's right and wrong in your life because I might very well be saying things about people that you respect and yep. love and yep. that you don't understand the relationship yep. yourself. So what I'm going to say to you is that he, when you use this word, here's what it sort of signals to me in my experience in schools. And when you claim an affiliation to something, um, it actually makes me worry a little bit for your safety. And so I wanna know, like, is this something I need to be concerned about? And also, if you are looking for a way out, I can probably help you. Talk and you know, and, and I think, you know, you try to be really um, responsible. You don't try to do it yourself. You turn them to some real resources, not law enforcement, real, resources, real resources. Who, because there, there, are, there are gang rescue programs in the city. There are uh, prevention programs that really will that have the kids safety at heart and so i don't believe in calling it out and i believe in just kind of having a conversation with this young person and saying hey listen uh i think that you're in a place in life that you could really you could really succeed and you could really do some great things in your life i would really encourage you to maybe rethink um kind of what you're getting connected to and if you need resources i can direct you to resources you know um and i think that's important um, you want to add something. And I worry about, too, like, you don't want to kick kids who are getting involved <coughs> in gangs out of school. Right. We, the best place for those kids is right here. Yeah. Even if, like, they are really getting involved, they need to be here. And this is why we need to give them critical thinking skills, because if they understand what's going on in yeah. their communities. Yeah. And, and I think this goes back to identity. Helping these kids because they're searching for an identity. Yeah. When you're in sixth grade, when you're in seventh grade, when you're in eighth grade, they you're want to saying, know who, who they am are. I? They want to what know tribe where they fit. do I belong yeah, to? That's absolutely right. And so if we can help them say that this is the tribe that you belong to, you belong to this school, you yeah. belong to this community, yep. you are a tribe of scholars. <laughs> join our gang. You join my <laughs> gang because my gang is going Kev, someplace. Kev doesn't actually have a gang. Just <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. No, but, a gang but, of nerds. But, but again, but but really building that, that capacity to see themselves as as people who can change things. And, right. and not to say, leave your community. Give up yeah. on those people. Yeah. Help those people. Why are they in the gangs? It's because I don't have any food on my table. Yeah. So what do I need to do? Maybe I want to do that project about gentrification. Yeah. About what's going on in my neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Right? To really understand because I can help explain to the brothers and sisters in my neighborhood because I always, you know, like I go back to my favorite line, uh, Boots Riley, all y'all's gold mines, they wanted they to bleach you. you. They got you on the corner wearing <laughs> pleather and see-through. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because what are they doing? And if you know these cats, a lot of them are very intelligent. Yeah. They, they see things about the world and how people operate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like if we can keep them in school yeah. and help them develop their own sense of identity and help them develop agency yeah. And feel like it's a force for change, and that I'm not saying your neighborhood's bad. I'm saying your neighborhood's a beautiful place. Yeah. And I want you to contribute to. And, and your to neighborhood may have problems, beauty. just like every neighborhood has problems, you know. And like what you're kind of talking about um, is actually articulated really well in Luis J. Rodriguez's book, um, Hearts and Hands: Building Community During Violent Times. And he wrote this book about 15 years ago. Yep, it's been yep. around for a while. You get, you may know Luis J. Rodriguez uh, from the Always Running book. The um, the memoir of being involved in LA street gangs and um, and how he got out and and then proceeds to do a lot of teaching around like what he learned from those years and what we need to do in the community. So in Hearts and Hands, he essentially argues exactly what you said, which is that young people are looking for membership, they're looking for acceptance, they're looking for 
a place where, where they will belong and where somebody will watch their back. And when they don't have those things, they're disproportionately at risk to join gangs. Now, we also know of people who have joined these street organizations um, just because that's what they wanted to do yeah. and they wanted to like defy their parents. And you know, it's not always the kid with the broken home from that's a background right. of poverty that's right. with, uh, with siblings incarcerated. Sometimes it's a kid who has both parents and middle-class background that gets involved in that kind that's of stuff. Right. Um, you know, and I'm still waiting for the law enforcement to come back and present about motorcycle gangs. And that yeah, that, thing, oh, right? yeah, that was the other I thing. We <laughs> should point that out. They didn't mention biker gangs. They didn't mention any white gangs that we know that's that right. exist. That's right. And, and that recruit young people. Um, yeah, no, you're right. They, so, they strictly were like, it's the Bloods and Crips and it's people of color except for the one white Crip. You have the one who I actually think it was, your former was my former student. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> and seemed like a great kid, like, and yeah. may be a great person. Um, but so in that, Rodriguez also uh, argues that um, along with the, those community supports, we're also lacking rites of passage for young people and places where they can really feel in concrete ways that they're moving forward in their lives and they're achieving these new levels. Yeah. Um, I would actually suggest that that's probably why gaming is such a big deal because you can earn medals and you can move up that's and you right. can get these like, ranks right. and that kind of thing. And I think that um, some of these uh, street organizations provide those things in the absence of them being provided in other places. And so I guess the thing to think about from an instructional perspective is like, are you creating an environment within your classroom, within your building, that gives young people a sense of membership, ownership, support, the sense that somebody has my back, and the sense that I will move through this place and I will gain things and I will have these rites of passage at different moments, um, and not just like eighth grade continuation, and not no, just like, no. I was in ninth grade, now I'm in 10th grade, but some real rights of passage. I've done something that makes me feel more, yep. that's I what feel the freer, is. I older, feel more, more mature, I feel like I can freer. mentor, I feel like I can take the youngins, and I can I can help influence I can mold the youngins. Them. They look up that's to right. me. That's right, that's right. And so I, I mean, there's a reason why they came up with like <coughs> BGs and OGs, right? Yeah. Because it gives you that status. Well, in like, in, in uh, Jeffrey Canada, in his book, Fish, yep. Stick, Knife, Gun, he talks about the same thing, about how yes, there was violence, Violence in his neighborhood, but the violence was regulated, and it was the older kids who were basically saying, "No, no, 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 no! You're too big to fight this kid. You can't you fight, don't fight like kid. that. We don't. You do don't that. bring a knife to a fight. You yeah, don't. You, you and, and you let it go once it's done. So, in the absence of those kinds of institutions, like there's a vacuum that exists, and I think it's I think it's really important for schools if you truly want to address a gang presence. And we're, we're in a little school that does. Is, is kind of insulated from yep, a lot yep, of that yep, stuff. Yep. We're not at, we're not immune to it. Nobody's no, immune no. to it. Um, but we know that in some of your schools that this is a daily occurrence that you have to kind of deal with. And I would just offer that when you take a legalistic approach to things, what you're going to end up with is law and order policies, and you're, right. and, and you're playing right into the school to prison pipeline. Um, you're, you, you start doing things like zero tolerance and harsh penalties and suspensions and expulsions. You're just getting them ready for ready a life for of incarcerations. And it's, it's playing that us against them. And I think going back to you know, your point about um, Jeffrey Canada and, and the bigger point going back to the bastards of the party mm -hmm. is, is that there was a destabilization. You took away leadership from these gangs, you took away the, yeah. that's why they're called the bastards of the party in the documentary, yep. is you destroyed the Black Panther Party, yep. which was giving people insight and giving them a way to go about liberating themselves. And what they were left with when yep. that voice went away, when you arrested and killed all the Panthers. Yep. When you think about move in Philly, you, right? You destroy, you yeah. destroy, uh, what, uh, things fall apart. Yeah. Things fall apart, yeah. right? The shack. They're good to, yeah. good to William Butler Yates, uh, Chimwa baby, things fall. The uh, center will the not roots. hold. The roots, <laughs> yeah. it falls apart yeah. and it destroys mm -hmm. what existed. Yep. And and then it deteriorates into this gang behavior, which is a justification to go in and occupy the community. That's right. And That's and right. to to arrest. We talk about where are all the brothers? They locked yeah. up, yeah. right? Because the voices that taught them how to go about. Defending themselves and standing up for themselves yeah. were neutralized. Yep, that's right. And I think that's right. if if we're really talking about what is our role, it's helping to, as teachers of color, going back to you know, this fight for social justice, 
is to help that voice reemerge. Yeah. Yeah. And to help them build so that 40 years from now, when they're 40 years old, they yeah. can be those voices out there for wisdom. Because we know it's been destroyed. But yeah. I want to build it back up because we didn't have these problems in the black community because people had pride. Yeah. And it, well, you might not have been successful. You might not have had it all. Mm-hmm. But you said, but there was I'm a black com- and I'm proud. There Say was a community loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Yep, there was a community there. There were elders there. There were people that you looked up to. Yeah, absolutely. Now the elders aren't even there. They're, they're no. locked up. The elder yeah. men are locked up. Yep. Yep. The women are forced to 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 do all sorts of stuff, and yep. it just destabilizes the community. And so, if I'd say anything, we got to be a force for stabilization of the community, yeah. Yeah. not contribute to more destabilization by helping yeah. pick out who needs to be pulled out. I mean, and and in fairness to law enforcement, law enforcement is going to see things through a law enforcement lens, right? That's right. And if you treat if you treat a gang presence as a law enforcement problem, then you are already cutting off half of what you can do to address the needs in a community. Uh, I, honestly, yes, absolutely. There are safety issues that need to be addressed when they come up. Yep. Um, but if you stop with rules and policies and penalties, um, then then you're you're not really gonna. You're just gonna exacerbate the problem. Um, and also, um, w- w- this next topic, I think maybe we'll need to hold off until another <laughs> until so? another session. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, but uh, I remember a few years ago somebody said to me, you know, that they had thought that one of their young uh, Latino men was getting caught up in some gang activity yep. and that kind of thing. And could I talk to them about? <laughs> wait, no. This is you know, that was the best yes. part about how I avoided like oh those things. Oh my god. Oh my god. Tell them about how you were a credit to your race. Right, exactly. How did you and first come? of all, I'm a debit to my race. Like, I'm not a like, credit to my race. Y'all don't know. Well, actually, I mean, I'm out here doing dirt <laughs> all day. I started, I, I said <laughs> a little something like that. What I said was like, um, so first of all, don't assume that I did avoid that life. And by the way, to all my listeners out there, I did avoid that life. <laughs> but like, don't make that assumption. And don't make the assumption that, um, that like, I had anything to do with avoiding that life. It was not me. I was lucky to be who I was, where I was, right? That's right. That's and, right. like, so, you know, in, in a future episode, we're going to talk about how not to connect with your colleagues of color. That's one way That's one example. that you can fail to connect with a colleague of color by asking your brown-skinned male colleagues how they avoided the gang life. Tell, tell me how you made it. <laughs> tell how did you become how did such you make it? fine, upstanding <laughs> Mexican. So it's like exactly. <laughs> You're one of those good Mexicans, right? You're the good, Man, my wife could tell you about you all the good Mexican so comments. Well. I know. I would hope so because well. it's my first language. So English oh, is. You know. I'll you, say that. Oh yeah, complimenting my English. That was. You speak one. English so I, well. I haven't you got, don't even have an accent. I've been here for such a long time that people don't do that. But I. But I do know when I meet other people because I say my name right. Yeah, you. Pre- you know, You're like. No, I say it right. I know and, how to pronounce. And they're Spanish like. Words. They're like, dude, your English is really good. And I'll be like, thank you. It's my first language. I would, hope, I would so hope, I hope so. I was educated it. in English. I read books. I can write. Like, I hope that my <laughs> English is good. But, that I mean, that's, you know, those are some things to really think about. So think about, like, and especially, I think we, the last time we talked, we talked about this similar thing about how our kids may be acting as we get into a break. Yep. Keep in mind that kids are going back home into communities for two or three weeks that they're not sure what to think about. And they know, like, they're happy to be home. They're happy to be off of school. But there are some apprehensions that they have. Maybe they're going to see that cousin that they're not really comfortable seeing. That's maybe, right. maybe they're going to see some family that they know is probably mixed up in some things that they w- that they just don't know what they think, think about, about it. So show a little bit of compassion. And, like, remember that any time you think that there are community issues that are negatively impacting students, just be very, very careful about how you talk about kids' communities. Because I, I think perfect. that I think it just really feeds a, a destructive mindset when it comes to communities of color that does not serve our kids. And I want my kids to feel good about where they come from, even if there's negative things about it. Everybody has that. Everybody has that. Every community has its flaws. I went to school in Littleton. Yeah. I, I, will, I will mention, I had Highlands Ranch, but no, Highlands Ranch. Littleton is out there. Falcons. We we were we were part of Littleton at that point. You just shot out the Falcons. I shouted your Falcons. The black the, the black, black Falcons. Falcons. My bad. The black the Falcons. black Falcons. We weren't just the regular Falcons. <laughs> right, right, right. But but the worst one of the worst school shootings happened in my in community. In my community. In, yeah. in Littleton. Yep. You know, and people don't make these 
generalizations about kids in those communities. Yeah. But we make it about the kids who live in these other communities. Yeah. So my encouragement is to to really don't be afraid to go back to our original points. Don't be afraid to have these courageous conversations with your kids. Yeah. And bring in the real world because that's what they're dealing with. Yeah. And I think the more we can break stuff down for our younger kids and help them understand why people might choose to be in gangs or choose to pursue negative behaviors, mm-hmm. we can help them prevent that. Yeah. And help them find themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I would add to that, like you talk about like the the school shooting that happened in your community. Um, when when those officers every time I've ever seen a presentation and it's actually not just law enforcement, in all fairness, anyone who's ever done some education around uh, professional development around gangs and gang involvement in in watching for the signs and all that kind of stuff. They always talk about the summer of violence. Yep. And like, not once does anybody ever think to ask, "Hey, did anybody in the room grow up in one of those communities during the, the summer, summer of, of violence? violence?" Because when they talk about the summer of violence, I'm You're like, right there. "I was right there. Fuller Park was, was right three there. blocks from my house. Right like, right there. Cameron Smith got killed three blocks from my house, and that was a that was a shooting that sent shockwaves through our community." let alone what was happening in the rest of the city. And so this idea that violence is normalized in communities of color is just, that was not my experience. Anytime there was a violent incident, everybody was scared. Yeah. Everybody was scared. Yeah. And I think it, it isn't just like, well, that's what, just what we do. We gotta heal, we gotta <laughs> yeah. help our kids heal. Yep. Because they are coming from that stuff. And, and, and we gotta help them heal, yep. to be whole. Yep. And we heal them, we heal our world. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, it got real. It, it got real. But that, I mean, I think it's important that we address this. And, you know, we would love to have your stories on how you address these things, yeah. um, you know, especially as we go into December. It's it's a tough time. Uh, but just remember, uh, what are you doing to heal some of the damaged um, beings in your new classroom to, to help contribute to that healing? And uh, and how are you interacting with your colleagues who may be affected by these same things? Yeah. Uh, you can reach us. Uh, through email, twodoteachers at gmail.com. Hit us up on the book. We're on the book. On the book. On the Facebook. The Facebook. Uh, So just like us, Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. We're pushing towards 300 likes. We'd love to get there. Try to get there. Get us there. Tell a friend. Uh, Tell a friend to tell a friend. My kids told me we ain't nothing because we don't have a million followers. (laughs) (laughs) They're right. They're right. Get us to a million. million. Get us to a million. Help my kids That's right. That's right. Um, And also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Two Dope Teachers. Um, We are here. We hope to be back in the next couple of weeks to to talk about plans for vacations and the holidays and how to how to foster positive connections with your colleagues of color. Yes. Um, but for two dope teachers and a mic, my name is Gerardo Munoz. It's your boy Kevin Adams. And uh, we are encouraging you.